Good morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you that you've given us your word, and in your word you have revealed yourself to us. I thank you that we can have a source of truth, especially in this time in history where there doesn't seem to be any. I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that you are never short of power. And I thank you that you have the ability to change us, to transform us, to do something wonderful within each of us. I ask that this time would be for you and it would be glorifying to you. Let these words be yours and not mine. Amen. We're continuing this morning with the series, um, God Is, and, and the, the, the attribute or the, the name that we're looking at today is pretty neat. Thank you, Shaylee, for singing that name, El Shaddai, and then that's Almighty God, Almighty. That, that makes us think about power. So what do you think of that's powerful? When, when you think power, what do you think? You know, there was a time in my life I thought, that's my dad. Well, that turned out to not really be all that together true, right? So what do you think? How about animals? The strongest land mammal, elephant, it can carry seven tons. The blue whale is, is the largest um, vertebrate, and, and it is able to propel as much as 30 tons through the water at 23 miles per hour. That's a lot of power. However, if you, if you want to look at it a different way, the strongest animal in the world, if we compare size and weight, is the dung beetle. A little beetle that can lift up to 1,141 times its own body weight, which is so heavy. If we, if we compared that to humans, an average human would have to lift 90 tons more than its body weight. So there's that little tiny beetle. That's power. Maybe, maybe we can think about this in a different way, maybe we think about power like nuclear power, especially atomic bombs measured in kilotons. A kiloton equals the explosive force of a thousand tons of TNT. Wow, okay. So the biggest one that has ever been exploded is called the Tsar Bomba. The Russians did it. 50 megatons. That's 3,300 times more powerful than the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. That's a lot of power. But, so we've gotten a little bigger. Let's, let's think even bigger. Let's, let's go a little bit more. How about the sun? The sun has the power output of 3.8 times 1,026 watts. That's, okay, so that's hard for us to put into perspective. Let's convert that to something different. You know, if we compared that to nuclear bombs, that's 20 billion hydrogen bombs. Okay, well, that's still a little hard. So we're going to convert the watts into horsepower. So maybe we can think about power in, this, in, in that idea of horsepower. So here's the figure. 500 billion trillion horsepower. And if you want to count the zeros, go ahead. 
That's a lot of power. But let's think bigger than that. Where would you go? Where would you go bigger than 500 billion trillion horsepower? El Shaddai. The Hebrew El Shaddai is translated usually as, as God Almighty. And there's some disagreement um, among scholars about the, the basic underlying meaning of, of, of Shaddai. But I believe El Shaddai is best understood as connected to unlimited power. But that unlimited power is also given to us in, in nourishing us. And, and there's, there's still this relationship like we saw last week. I really think that we need to keep this in mind of unlimited power. And one of the reasons I do that is because that seems to be what we find in Scripture. Like Job 37, 23, the Almighty, there it is. We cannot find Him. He is great in power, justice, and abundant righteousness He will not violate. Now, we can find Him, and He is mighty, and in the, in the term almighty, it means that God has all the power necessary to accomplish anything that he wants to do. Anything. Anything God wants to do, he's got enough power to do it. We very often use the term omnipotence to describe this nature of God. Omnipotent, all-powerful. So here are three things that I want us to think about that help us to understand God's power. First of all, nothing can keep God from accomplishing His purpose. Nothing can stop God. Daniel speaks of this. Chapter 4, verse 35. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and He does according to His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Nothing interferes with what God wants to do. There is no power great enough to stop what God begins. That's huge. Second, God Almighty, as Shaddai, does what He pleases. Now, sometimes we hear that kind of thing and we go, well, that's kind of selfish and self-centered and all that. God is not like us. He's not like we are. He, we, we, would, we would do this kind of thing, and, and it's all about our power, and, and it becomes all about us, and it is all about Him. But He is able to take that because it is all about Him. He's able to do whatever He desires because He's perfect. That's part of it. He does whatever He plans, again, because He's God and we're not. Psalms 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. And Isaiah prophesies, 46.9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. End of story. He does what he purposes to do. Let's think about that just a little bit more because the only thing that determines what God can and will accomplish is his own will and 
perfect holiness. He's perfect. And so if he's going to do whatever he wants, it's going to be perfect. And it will be holy. Third thing. God Almighty's power is superior than any other and all other powers. God is eternal with no beginning. We all understand um, that we're all created by Him. So He's greater than us, right? He's greater than all of creation. Anything that has been created, He's greater than. So that's a lot of power. You can't get any greater power than that. In the scriptures, the first place where we find El Shaddai is in Genesis 17.1. He's talking to Abraham. 17.1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. God Almighty. He is all-powerful. This is staggering. It, it's beyond all. It, 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 this, this idea that we have sometimes of God is that he's so much like us, and he's not. Being all-powerful means there is absolutely nothing he cannot do except sin or be unholy. His energy is unlimited. His energy, grasp that. His energy, his his ability is unlimited. There is nothing greater than his power and ability. And he can accomplish anything as easily, easily as he accomplishes anything else. And he can accomplish anything at any time or multiple things at any time. I want this to expand what you think about God. God can create every individual atom of the entire universe with no more than just a spoken word. And that's no more difficult for him than, than placing the planets and, and solar systems and, and galaxies in the heavens. He places them there. That's not any harder for him than creating the inner parts of individual atoms. Raising mountains to staggering heights is no more difficult than placing hair upon your head. He creates without effort. He doesn't grow fatigued when he creates. He creates the simplest or the most complex, either one. He's God Almighty. Because he's God Almighty, he never runs out of energy. He never runs out of resources. He doesn't need to find a source of raw materials. God never waits for the delivery of, of, of raw materials. He, he doesn't have to worry about a supply chain. God Almighty can do anything he wants to do. He is the creator and has the authority to do anything that he wants to do. He doesn't need an instruction book. Or training. He doesn't need any help. He simply has the power to do what he wants to do. God Almighty. 
unlimited power, unlimited ability, unlimited authority to use that power. Last week, we, we studied Yahweh, Yahweh Rohai, the Lord our shepherd. And we saw how God cares for us in personal, intimate ways. God Almighty, Al Shaddai, is portrayed in a close relationship to us. He's the same God as the shepherd. In the New Testament, the places where the Greek equivalent of God Almighty is used, and we start to see this relationship. 2 Corinthians 6.18, And I will be father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You know, I mentioned my dad earlier, and, and you know, I remember being a little kid, and you know, you get in those little spats with somebody else, and you know, my dad can take your dad. Any of you, or is that just me? No one else ever did that? Yeah. yeah, I saw somebody raise their hand. Okay. As a believer, yeah, my dad can take your dad any day. My father, El Shaddai. God Almighty, he's my dad. He's my father. Almighty God is also used in Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Later in Revelation, chapter 4, verse 8, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Lord God Almighty. Revelation 11. 17, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. He is all-powerful. I ran across this quote from A.W. Tozer. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. His point is that the most important thing to humanity is the correct understanding of God. There really isn't anything more important. Believing the wrong things about God actually is idolatry. When we think of idolatry, we usually tend to go down some path like someone with a little carved God on their table or their desk. Or, or maybe we go to uh, someone bowing down to a, a, a God somewhere or making an offering at a pagan temple. And I, I know in my life that's, that's kind of where I go. And, and for me, it was, it was so obvious, the paganism and the idolatry in India. We live very close to a, a major god in that area, in that region. It's the monkey god. And here's this, I'm going to say maybe 100-foot-tall concrete monkey. And, and people were bringing their offerings in. 
And people are bowing down to this concrete monkey. Now what's funny, and I've shared this before, I wish I had a picture, because you've got the people coming in on this side, and they're worshiping, and they're bowing down, and they're doing all their stuff. And on the back side, on the other side, there's a scaffolding because there's workmen patching the concrete. Makes you kind of think, doesn't it? Idolatry goes beyond those kinds of images, though, and beyond those kinds of ideas. Because idolatry includes ascribing to God things that are untrue of Him. That might be, well, what God said isn't true. That means God's a liar? Well, you just, you just, that's idolatry. The same is true if we take things away from God. If we take attributes away from God, or if we lessen His attributes, then we are also in idolatry. The result of either is forming a God out of our human imagination. That's dangerous. Sometimes idolatry is making God the same as the humans He created. So we we think in terms of jealousy or anger or revenge and we, all of the things that occur in our lives and, and we just make this assumption that God responds in all those ways just like we do. And that's not true. And if we spend too much time there, we're actually in idolatry because we're, we're making God something different than He really is. Psalms fifty twenty one tells us, These things you have done and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. We're not like God. He's not like us. He's much greater than we are. So declaring the truth about God is incredibly important. Sometimes we might need to just declare that to ourselves. Self, God is great. He's almighty. He's powerful. He loves me. Sometimes we declare that to others. It's important that we're accurate, that we say, this is who God is. When we seek God and cry out to Him, there are times when He may seem far away, but He's never far away and always able to do what is in our best interest even if what's in our best interest does not look good to us. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. God Almighty says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's power. That's powerful in our hearts and our minds. God is more than capable of helping his children. Paul exhorts us this way in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Be not anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
Why, is that, why does that do away with our anxiety? Because we are asking God and we are pouring out our heart to God who has all the power to do whatever needs to be done and he's going to do whatever needs to be done for our benefit. We can choose to worry or we can choose not to worry because God Almighty is for us. God Almighty is for you, the believer. He's close at hand and he has the power to do what needs to be done. Wow. That is awesome to me. That, that thrills me that, that God... Almighty God is for me and not against me. He loves me like a father. And there's nothing that surprises him and nothing that he can't do. Let's think about three other things. These are three things that this idea of God's omnipotence means for us. The first place I wanted to go is that God's unlimited power greatly increases our reverence for Him. If we have a proper understanding of of God Almighty, we reverence Him in a different way. God asked Job this in chapter 40, verse 2 of Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. God's addressing some flaws in Job's reverence. God is almighty. There are times what he does may perplex us. And we may question him out of the finite nature of our minds. I don't understand why God did what he did. That's okay. But we cannot accuse the maker. If we try, we set ourselves above God. And that's a horrendous sin and a dangerous place to be. Paul says in Romans 9.20, But who are you, O man, to ask back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? That's huge. Who am I to say? You know, there's, there's two things in my life that, that relate to this. And, and this verse out of Romans, this passage, became a part of what God used to heal me of some of this because I was convinced by the time I was in high school, I was absolutely convinced that I was a freak of nature because I'm 5'3 in a John Wayne 6'4 kind of body and that kind of an attitude. Bring it on, you know. I'm John Wayne. And everybody goes, yeah, you are. You're 5'3, you little squirt. Why did God do that to me? Well, part of the reason I thought that way is because I didn't think of God creating me in the first place. So once I got things right with God, he went, I made you exactly the way I wanted you. There's only one, you. And the rest of the world went, thank God there's only one of him. The other place that my mind has gone is I would much rather, if I had my choice, 
I would live in 1875, 1880, somewhere at the end of the 1800s. That would be my desire. Why did God put me in this time? I don't like some of the things now. And the answer is because that's the way El Shaddai wanted it. So I accept who he is and what he's done. It's not my place to question him. My place is to reverence him. And I believe that, there's, that most people don't experience reverence. I mean, we have certain feelings towards God, and some of you may have greater than, than others. There's a lot of feelings that we can have for a little, weak God. Small g. Reverence is not one of them. Reverence is the combination of admiration and fear and awe and dread and wonder and terror. Where does that come from? That comes from seeing El Shaddai, omnipotent, God, creator of everything, who needs nothing, has everything. I believe that God made each one of us to experience reverence. That's part of how we're wired as human beings. And because of that, we long to be awestruck. We, we long for those times where we just go, whoa, that was awesome. There's times we long for some friendly terror and some joyful dread. And the only way we ever experience those things is to know the Lord God Almighty, El Shaddai, the omnipotent one who created us and loves us and sustains us. Second point. God passes perfect justice upon those who choose not to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think of this scene that John describes in Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of, wrath, of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's quite a picture. If God is almighty, no one who resists him can succeed. The arrogant and the unbelieving may seem for a while to prosper and, and maybe have a good life. But there will come an end and there will come judgment. He has appointed a day when all who reject him will experience the fury of his wrath. Because he is God Almighty. 
Brothers and sisters, that should motivate us to take the gospel to every human being we're around. Thirdly, El Shaddai is the believer's refuge. It's a refuge that's, that's full of, of good things and, and incredibly strong. Psalms 91.1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God Almighty died for us on the cross. That gives us unending security provided by the greatest force in existence. God Almighty loves you, provides for you, and will keep you close forever. Infinite, unending security. There is no more secure place than with El Shaddai, God Almighty. Believers enjoy unshakable refuge in God's everlasting glory. No matter what happens here on earth. No matter what goes on in your life, God Almighty will keep you. You're secure. This is an amazing thing. This is amazing victory for believers. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Put that into perspective of El Shaddai. He who is in you, who is in us, God Almighty is in us. He's greater than he who is in the world by far. Tremendous power is available to me in Christ. If you are in Christ, there is a tremendous amount of power because that power lives in you. This also helps us be secure because I know I'm saved because El Shaddai paid the price for me and his power keeps me secure in that salvation. John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. God Almighty, If you're here and you confess Jesus and you're saved, then you were saved by the most powerful force that exists. When God Almighty holds on to something, you don't get it taken away. It's not getting taken away. It doesn't lose you. So the basis of my assurance is the power, the absolute total power of God. The issue in things like this is the character of God. It isn't that there's a flaw in it. He he has no character deficiencies. The character of God is firmly established. So the real issue is humans. It's it's in us. A man who smashes himself, who just runs into God, continually trying to live the way he wants to live, no matter what God is like, that's a fool. 
God is who he says he is, that will never change. God does what he does. That will never change. So for us, his created beings, we have to get in line with him. And that can open up a whole bunch of ideas and understanding about repentance and agreeing with God. We have to line ourselves with El Shaddai, God Almighty. Praise you, El Shaddai. Almighty God, thank you that you have the power to save, that you have the power to change and transform, that you have the power over everything that exists. And in that power, you care for us and love us and provide for us. Thank you, Father God, that we can look to you, have hope in you, and see in the future a time when we will have direct access in your presence and we will see firsthand the amazing, mighty power of God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us through your sacrifice. In Christ's name, amen.